0: To Matthew chapter 6. We've been going through a little bit of the Sermon on the Mount. Took a little break here or there. But we're going to continue. And we kind of skipped over the Lord's Prayer so we could take a couple Sundays to just deal with it by itself. And again, that's Matthew 6. I think this has to be one of the most well-known Bible passages in literally the whole, all of Scripture. Matthew 6. And we're going to be just taking a look at verses 9 to 15. We're only going to do the first few verses, but we're going to read it all. Matthew 6, 9 to 15. Let's stand together for the reading of God's holy, inerrant Word. Hear the Word of God to you this morning. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. and Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thus ends the reading of God's... Holy authoritative word may bless it to our hearts and lives this morning. Please be seated. So far in the Sermon on the Mount, we've seen that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has been teaching us about the characteristics of kingdom living. What it looks like. He's also been telling us about the influence of kingdom living. What that kind of kingdom living looks like in the world. He tells us that we are the salt and we are the light in society around us. Then he told us about the piety of Christian living, the the Christian disciplines, how we're to carry them out, like the discipline of giving, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of fasting. And he says we shouldn't do those things like the hypocrites do at a big show so everybody could see us and see how holy we are. But he talks about doing these things in secret so that only our Heavenly Father can see And that he who sees what's done in secret will then reward us. He doesn't want us to be hypocrites. Nor does he want us to be like the pagans. And what the pagans would do, excuse me, is they would say the same prayers, the same words over and over and over thinking that they're going to wear God out and God's going to finally give them what they want. But instead, Jesus simply says, don't pray like this and don't pray like that. But this is how you're to pray. pray. Did you ever notice in life, sometimes people, all they do is tell you how not to do something. And then they just leave you there and you're like, but but how do I do it then? And they're like, I don't know, figure it out. Not Jesus. He tells us what to avoid on each side of the cliff. But then He tells us exactly how we should walk. And in this case, how we should pray. What we're going to see in this prayer, particularly this Sunday especially, is that what Jesus is giving us is God's priority in prayer. These are the things that God says we should be praying about fervently from the heart. John Stott puts it this way. In the Lord's Prayer, Christians are obsessed with God, with His name, with His kingdom, and with His will, not theirs. True Christian prayer is always a preoccupation with God and His glory. It's therefore the exact opposite of the exhibitionism of hypocrites who use prayer as a vehicle for their own glory. We're going to see later on in the Lord's Prayer, God does care about our needs. God does care about our desires. He tells us later to pray for such things. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. But what we're talking about here and what we're going to see is, here is the priority is God first. That, that's who comes first. So let's take a few moments this Lord's Day to sit at Jesus' feet and to learn from the Master of all Masters in the school of prayer. As we look at the first half of the, of the prayer, we're going to simply see this. Very simple. Jesus teaches us to make God's name God's kingdom and God's will are priority in prayer. God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. And before we jump right into it, we're going to deal with the intro to the prayer, and that's this, our Father in heaven. Let's deal with the first thing. The first thing is our Father. So He doesn't tell us to pray, my Father. Why not? Because we are to pray as a family. There's room for individual prayer because Jesus just said earlier in this sermon that He preached that when we pray, we should go in our closet, shut the door, and pray to Him who's the secret. But Jesus is not against corporate prayer because here He says we should come together at times very regularly and pray together as the family of God, whether black, white, Asian, it doesn't matter. We pray as one family, our Father, Abba. Where's Dave? Abba, Father. You got that? All right, cool. Sorry, inside joke. Last time I said Abba, and he said that's an old pop group from Switzerland, so he's right. Thank you for correcting me that. Abba, Father, which really translates to Daddy. He's teaching us that we are a part of a family, and we should pray as such. I I can't help it. I always think of, uh, have you ever seen Three Musketeers by Disney? Well, throughout this whole movie... There's this annoying guy and all of his brothers that keep chasing D'Artagnan. I don't you remember that. And so, like, he'll be doing something, and all of a sudden this guy comes, D'Artagnan! And that's the way he did it, and you go, ooh, not this guy again. And he'd have to run away because he'd see all his brothers on horses chasing him, and he'd keep running throughout the whole movie. And at the end, finally, I'm kind of giving away the plot, but I'm sure you know this, he becomes a musketeer and he's dressed in his musketeer outfit, and he's with his other three buddies, the three musketeers, and they're walking down the road, and everything's happy, and all of a sudden he hears, D'Artagnan! And he's like, oh. He's like, guys, I got this. And the three guys go, whoa, 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 whoa. You're one of us now. We got this. And they draw their swords, and now there's the four musketeers. And then, all of a sudden, the, the, the camera goes behind them, and there's a crowd of musketeers that go, shh! And you see this whole crowd going after the five brothers and they're like, ah! And that's what it is in the kingdom of God. You are not alone. You have brothers and sisters who also call God Almighty, the God of the universe, Abba, Father. We are not alone. And so we are to pray together. Our Father. And throughout the sermon, here's the interesting thing I want to point out. Throughout the sermon... Jesus refers to the omnipotent that's all powerful omniscient all present thrice holy god he refers to him as father as your father I don't know if that's ever blowing your mind but this was a new thing in the new covenant that you would have the audacity to get on your knees and say daddy That's incredible Some people saw that as disrespectful. And Jesus doesn't just say it's okay. He invites us. And throughout His teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, constantly His motivation for us to do what He's asking us to do is be like your Father in Heaven. Go pray to your Father in Heaven who sees what's done in secret. And here, call our Father who art in Heaven. Now listen, here's the the powerful punch to me. J.I. Packer He's a really neat theologian because he shows that theology, how it works in life. Not just He's not the kind of guy where you just sit and ask how many angels could dance on the head of a pin type of thing. He, he wants to know, you know what's the point and what matters. Well, he made a good comment. He said, there is a greater blessing than justification. And for those of you who don't know what that is, justification is where we are declared righteous by a holy God, by God the judge, when we put our faith in Christ Christ takes the judgment of guilty, we get the the verdict of innocent. That's justification, okay? But this is what uh, Packer says. I love this. He says, In adoption, God takes us into His family and fellowship and establishes us as His children and heirs. Closeness, affection, and generosity are at the heart of the relationship. Now here, here, I love this. To be right with God the judge is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. Isn't that awesome? It's great for the judge to say, not guilty. And you can go, and get in your car and go home, roll down the windows and go, Woo, no jail time for me. But it's so much more awesome when God the Father says, come sit at my table. I'm making the feast. And you're the honored guest. And you have equal rights to my only begotten Son. And guess what? Yours is the kingdom. (laughs) Come and enjoy my bounty. And Jesus is saying this is true of his followers. So, before we jump into the three petitions, here's the issue. The question is are you a disciple of Jesus? Have you come to the point in your life where you've acknowledged your need and your sin? You've repented of them and you know that your only hope is in Jesus and you've embraced Him by faith. If you have, then you have all the rights and privileges thereunto as a child of God. And you could call Him Father. As a matter of fact, He insists. So that's the beginning of this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Now let's look at the first petition. Hallowed be your name. Jesus tells us to start off by asking for God's name to be hallowed. In other words, we're to pray for God's name to be set apart, for it to be regarded and revered as holy among the nations. Now that makes us ask a question. If you do profess to be a Christian, I think there should be fairly many of us here this morning in this room, how zealous are you for the name of God your Father? How zealous are you to see his name honored and worshiped and glorified above all things in life? Does it trouble you when you see his name regarded as a common thing or even blasphemed among the nations? Whether it's in Saudi Arabia, whether it's in India, China, Africa, France, or here in postmodern USA, where the name of our blessed Lord is and of his Christ are constantly used as a curse word and even openly mocked. I hear my own brothers and sisters sometimes say things like, oh, geez. And I say, do you know what you're saying? Oh, no, I'm not saying. Yes, you are. It's a way of using Jesus' name as a curse. Not a good example to be setting in the world. I remember one time, this is even more heavy, I was a teenager and I wasn't saved yet. Didn't know Jesus. I was somewhat religious, but man, I was certainly not living it. And I was with some buddies who went to a Catholic school. And we're walking down the street and one of them told this joke that made my, I had hair back then, my hair went pfft. It was so blasphemous. And I, I, was, I was, you know, I had my own foul mouth and I wasn't living a holy life, but I looked at him and I thought like, whoa, lightning is going to hit soon. And you know, my buddy, he saw my face. I didn't even say anything. I just kind of looked at him. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. We're Catholic. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We go to Catholic school. That was his excuse. And here's the issue. Certainly we are to pray that others may hallow and hold holy the name of our Father. But the more important thing is when we pray that, hallowed be thy name, we're saying, Lord, please help me never to drag the name of the one I love so dear in the mud. Please, Lord, have mercy. Don't let me live in such a way that the nations say, Pfft. look at him. We live in a culture, unfortunately, that denigrates the name of Jesus. We live in a flip culture, a Simpson-esque culture, a family guy culture, where even Christians fall into blaspheming the name of Jesus. Think about it right now. If they did a Saturday Night Live Live skit mocking Muhammad, what do you think would happen? Tell me. You know what would happen. They do it about Jesus all the time and us Christians just it's normal. No, the first thing we should be concerned with is hallowed be thy name. Think about it. If I do a sermon on three steps on how to be a better husband everybody's attention or how, how to give to God your sex life. See, sex, everybody wakes up. But I t- See what I'm saying? If I say something like let's talk about God's glory. Let's talk about hallowing God's name. I get a lot of yawns. You with me? And that's why Jesus starts off telling us what our priorities are to be. Hallowed be your name. That's the first thing. That God's name would be regarded as holy. Do you ever think about it this way? And I'll jump into the next thing. When you hear somebody misusing God's name, I don't know about you, but I do get angry. Because I say, that's my father you're talking about. My earthly father, I'll tell you what, he's not even perfect and pure holy, but you talk about him, I'm not a fighter, but I may become one. Because I love my dad, and and, and I don't want to hear his name disparaged. The point is if you're a true, if you've been truly converted from the heart to faith in Christ, and you've been adopted into the family of God, then God's honor should be on the top of your list when you pray shouldn't it be just a grocery list let's see we're going to pray what's a list of all the things i want it should be a list of how can i get on board with my father and his kingdom second thing your kingdom come when we pray what's really heaviest on our hearts is it thy kingdom come listen to me or is it my kingdom come Is it God's master plan that you want to align yourself with? Or is it your master plan that you have for your life and others? Do you long for Atlantic City and Ventnor City or whatever city you're from to become more like the new city that's going to come from heaven one day? Or is your first priority, and I'll tell you this is one of the biggest idols in America, is our own comfort and our own prosperity? That's what we deal with daily is a prosperity gospel. And Jesus, this is Jesus' gospel. He says, birds have nests and foxes have holes but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay His head. This is what Jesus promises. Anyone who would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake, he will find it. That's why we are to pray, Thy kingdom come, Lord. And again, where are we starting? Right here. The kingdom needs to be expanded here before we're going to do anything to expand the kingdom. Very often when uh, missions teams come and we have old uh, veterans here, so I'm not giving anything away. But what I really love is... the beginning of the week they talk about the things they expect on the trip well why'd you come and they say we've come to help children or which is good i don't mean to be mocking that or we've come to help uh, low-income people and, and rebuild for sandy and then at the end of the week they say i saw how needy i am and i saw how broken that i am before god and how selfish and that i need jesus And so when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're praying, God, me first. Me first. A Westminster Shorter Catechism um, that we hold to as Presbyterians, it puts it this way when it talks about this petition, it explains it this way. We pray, when we pray, thy kingdom come, that Satan's kingdom may be destroyed and that the kingdom of grace may be advanced ourselves and others brought into it and kept in it, and that the kingdom of glory may be hastened. Come, Lord Jesus. And I say that from the heart. This is to be our priority in prayer. So often we want God to get on board with our program rather than humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, what's your program? I look out here, I look out here, I look out here. What are you doing and what do you want to see done for your kingdom's sake? How do you want to magnify Jesus in the lives of people? And how can I be a part of that? I want in. One long quote. I only have one long quote. I I saved it for this because I think it's really good. David Gooding, he's a former professor at Queen's University in Belfast. Where is that? Is that Ireland or England? ireland hey it wasn't that bad that's why i say Tormy, me by the way <laughs> i like teasing sorry this is what he says we are to make the coming of his kingdom our chief desire aim and ambition Often, unfortunately, we do not do so, for we have our own personal ambitions, plans, schemes, and purposes in life. And if we are not careful constantly to pray as Christ taught us, they gradually come to fill our minds and horizons, leaving God's plans and purposes little time, space, or consideration. Indeed, it can happen that we pervert prayer itself by making its chief burden our personal and family interests instead of God's kingdom and purposes. And this is what I like what he says here. The first and chief point of the pattern for prayer which Christ has left left us is that it's not our interests, but God's must ever be given first place. Now listen. Listen to this. I have taught on this prayer, I have preached on this prayer a number of times in many different states, and normally when I preach this prayer, especially the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, I do I I get a little feedback, I get a little kickback among God's people, and what they say is this. And even if they don't say it verbally, they're saying it through body language. What about my concerns? Doesn't God care about my concerns? What about my needs? great about god's kingdom and will and everything but what about me my family that's exactly the point the point is god has already shown you that he cares for your needs he showed you that by giving you his one and only son so that you would not perish everlasting but that you would live with him in glory The problem is not that God doesn't care about our needs. You follow me now? The problem is that we don't care about God's concerns. You follow that? That's why Jesus has to tell us this. That's why Jesus has to give us a model prayer to follow. Because by nature, we are selfish. By nature. We're gonna, I don't have to teach anybody to pray, gimme, gimme, I want, I want, I need. Right? Our little babies come out saying that, basically. Gimme, 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 I want, I need. It's a natural thing. But as we mature in Christ, more and more, we need to reflect the priorities of our Father in heaven. We need to be about our Father's business. Turn with me real quick to a cross reference. Notice I don't have many of them today. Philippians 2. If you have your Bibles and you want to, please turn with me. If not, check up on me later. Philippians 2, we're going to look at verses 19 to 24 real quick, just to show you an example. This is Paul writing to the Philippian Christians. But listen, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive the news about you. Now listen, here's the key. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Look at verse 21. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Interesting, isn't it? Paul's making a comment. He says, as I look around, Who do I have with me who I've been discipling? The great discipler, the Apostle Paul says, I have no one like Timothy who has a genuine interest in you, the mission field, the people he preached the gospel to. And then he says, to tell in comment, everyone cares about their own interests, not those of who? Jesus Christ Jesus. And the prayer here is, as children of God, Jesus is teaching us we need to be about the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. That's what we want to see here. We want to see people come to Christ, enter the kingdom. We want to see them become uh, mature in Christ. And then we want to see them have a mature attitude where they think of Jesus and others first. And we know what happens when we put God's concerns first. We know that God will take care of us. And that's the rest of the prayer we're going to get into next week. And in praying for thy kingdom come, we're praying that God would also send workers into His field because the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. We need more people that are willing to come onto the line with us and advance. We pray thy kingdom come, and again, it's got to start right here. You know, Jesus said an interesting thing. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Did you ever think that's kind of weird? Gates of hell? Like, gates don't move. You understand what I'm saying? I always thought it meant like the gates won't prevail. Well, they're not moving. Ah, it makes sense if you look at it this way. If we're storming the gates, then it makes sense. Now it makes sense when Jesus says they will not prevail because we're going to bang on them, bang on them, and they're going to go... And people's lives will be changed by the gospel, by the love of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, thy kingdom come. And this is our hope. And this is our hope that's going to come true. Revelation eleven fifteen, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. And now we could say, amen. I hope that's what you want to see in the world. People bowing their knees for the first time to Jesus and then continuing to be about His work, not just talk about it. Last thing, and then we'll close up for the morning. Your will be done. And notice what He says here. As on earth, as in heaven. Here's the cool thing. The seraphim, the cherubim, all the other angels, the living creatures, all the saints who have gone ahead of us, In heaven, they act in perfect unison and they do God's will perfectly. They're totally on board with God's program. And what we're praying for in this petition is just as they do that in heaven, as they follow our Heavenly Father's bidding with joy and gladness, it's their delight. They're they're tripping over each other to give more honor to Jesus. As that is true, we pray that that's true here on earth. And every time we see a sinner repent, that's a step closer for the kingdom. That's another inch that we took from Satan's territory that God took through us and through his gospel. Here's the thing I really want to hit home about. We're praying that all the sermons All of the devotions, all the Sunday school lessons, all the small group lessons, all the Bible club teaching would be so assimilated in our lives and so worked out that it would actually be fleshed out in the world. That's what we're praying. When we pray, your will be done. We're praying that we would not be hearers only, but we would be doers. We're praying that we would do the will of God with joy, with gladness. Not, well, I have to do this. One of the things that makes short-term mission trips like the ones that we offer here at New City so powerful, think about this. Listen. For a week straight, we are preoccupied, we are obsessed with doing God's will in the city. Think about it. We do personal devotions. Then as soon as we're done with that, we come and we worship together. We hear a word from God. We pray. We get ready. Then we go out and we serve low-income folks. We serve the poor. We we love and serve each other. We have fellowship. Then we come back. Then we have um, Bible clubs in the evening where we we preach the gospel to children and other adults will listen. And then we come back and have a time of fellowship together. And we do that intensely for a week. And you know, it's so awesome because we don't have all the other distractions in life that we normally have to worry about so it's a little taste of what this is like doing it full time well listen this is why i'm telling you this when i was preparing to come here in atlantic city i was looking at different church plants websites and seeing what they had going on there was one website i saw that really really got me excited this was their vision like it was on the top of their page it said this We are a church that's on a lifelong mission trip together. That was awesome. Because that's the trick, isn't it? The trick is doing God's will in everyday life. When we have to earn a living for our family. When we have to deal with school. When we have to deal with all the other things that we do during the day and the week. the way we do that is, as a church body, we look for God to be glorified in whatever we do. We look for God's kingdom to come. And we pray that we would do His will as a body. That we wouldn't only be concerned with our own church family. There's enough churches out there like that. I've seen them. God says, you are the light of the church. No, He doesn't. He says, you're the light of the world. He says, you're the salt of the earth. J.F. Packer, one more quote from him, it's short. He says, here, more clearly than anywhere, the purpose of prayer becomes plain. Not to make God do my will, which is practicing magic, but to bring my will into line with His, which is what it means to practice true religion. I want to hang on that for a second. Listen to that. When we keep asking God to do our will, what does He become? Little genie in the lamp, right? I got three wishes, God. Take care of me. But instead, when we pray, God, Thy will be done. That's true religion. That's saying align my heart, my will, my desires more with Your desire. Listen, God made us. And He made us for a purpose. Uh, Those of us who come from a Reformed background, we know what that is from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to. Amen. Glorify God. Even if you didn't say it in unison, you still said it. Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's why we've been put here. Sometimes, praying to align yourself with God's will may mean this it may mean this Father, I would like my son or daughter to be a missionary to a safe place like Chile. Or someone like that. And God may say, but I want to send him to Saudi Arabia. And like Jesus in the garden, we have to say, Lord, but not my will, but what? Thy will be done. Sometimes it's the opposite. We have plans for our children. Well, I'm a pastor, so I want my son to be a missionary, let's say, wherever. Like maybe he's going to Italy, maybe he's not. But maybe God might say, you know what? I have different plans for my son, by the way. And I want them to be a computer analyst and glorify me on the states. Humbly raise up a family and, and be a part of a local church here and spread the gospel. And I got to say, thy will be done. There used to be an old show on TV and we kind of mock it out. It's called Father's know, Father Knows Best. Remember that old show? I actually watched that when I was a little kid. I watched a lot of shows like that. Unfortunately, why people make fun of it today is because we know not all fathers know best. Amen? There are some fathers out there that need a lot of prayer. But the neat thing with our Heavenly Father is He does know best. Even though we don't understand it at times because God does move in a mysterious way and we have very finite minds. We can rest in this. We may not always, when we can't see His hand, the song says, trust His heart. And so we say, Lord, I don't know why I have this sickness, but I trust you. And I'm going to keep serving you and keep walking with you and asking you to use me in my weakness. I know many people very close to me who don't know necessarily why things happened to them as a child, but then they tell me, you know what, Sant? I can minister to people who are going through it now. Some churches want to be known by others as the church with lots of faith or the church with great music or the church that is friendly. But how about making it our goal here at New City Fellowship to be known not by men but by God as the church that prays and strives for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. I hope that's your prayer. And I hope that's mine. Because once we put first things first, then Jesus doesn't just give us permission to pray for our daily bread and for forgiveness. He commands us to. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and what? All these things will be added to you. So brothers and sisters, let's put first things first. God and His kingdom. And let's watch what He will do through us to advance His kingdom's purposes. All glory to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we do pray, even now, that Your name would be hallowed, that it would be regarded as holy. We pray this for us as a church plant. We pray this for the teams that have come as they not only work this week, but as they serve You back home. We pray uh, for the Tormy family and the, the extended family, Lord. We ask that we would be a people that seek first Your kingdom and Your righteousness. And God, we do pray that more and more our actual lives would be in alignment with Your holy will. That Jesus might be brought glory and that someday soon, many, many, many multitudes of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation would be giving You the glory in the new heavens and the new earth. We only ask, O Lord, for those who right now have not yet entered that kingdom, we only ask that you would move in their hearts and lead them to repentance and faith, that they might join us in glorifying our Heavenly Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. All right, we're going to sing a really beautiful new hymn, newer. This Sunday sermon was preached by the Reverend Dr. Santo Garofolo. New City's Sunday Sermon is recorded live on location at New City Fellowship of Atlantic City. If you're in the Atlantic City area, stop by. Our address is 215 North Sovereign Avenue, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Visit us online at newcityac.org. That's www.newcityac.org. Oh God is written and performed by the Reverend Dr. Sandra Garofolo. Join us next week for a brand new New City's Sunday Sermon.